Hello, welcome to our Lighthouse podcast. We hope that this message brings inspiration and intent to your day. Sitting on the beach, sorry, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the one sunny day we had in Wollongong over the last three months. Uh, and as I was sitting on the beach, I was looking across at our lighthouse, the lighthouse that we've uh, probably named our church after all those years ago. And like anything, I, didn't, I haven't really sat and stared at the lighthouse and thought about it too much. Uh, that's when you know I'm having a good holiday. I'm laying on the beach staring at a lighthouse, thinking about it. That's me unwinding. And it, I just noticed the activity uh, that was happening in and around the lighthouse. And if you ever take note of uh, the lighthouse down there, uh, you'll notice that it's a gathering point, really, for many people. There's, there's weddings that go on down there. There's people hoping that Mr Whippy Van is there to get their ice cream and etc., uh, etc. Et it's quite a busy, and as I was looking, I thought, oh, it's quite busy up there. But it also was a place, almost without people even knowing, it's an attraction point, it's a central point, it's an identifiable point. And of course, you know where this is going, it led me to think about Lighthouse, the church that has been here for 52 years now. And even today, as I saw people arrive today, it reminded me that Lighthouse is and always will be that kind of church. I see people today that I haven't seen in years that have decided to come back, which is fantastic because we are in this time in our generation. Actually, I think God is calling people back to faith. Contrary to popular belief, there are some people who have decided to abandon their faith during this time and don't want to be a part of a church or don't want to be a part of God. But actually, there's a resurgence of people that want to gather again around a light and that actually want to live life from a place of hope, not just be led by what's dictated to us or the common language that's said all around us. In fact, one of the important things as we think about our future is that we want to make sure that the things we're saying to ourselves that are most likely coming from all around us, that the things that come out of us are filtered back through the Word of God. God is going to do great things. And we want to recharge your faith over this next month. We want to make sure... And I don't want you to have, you know me all the time, I don't want you to feel guilty about anything. Guilt's not of the Bible. It's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to add guilt to your current guilt life. So whatever stage your faith is in right now, I want to say it's okay to re-engage with God and his church. Don't worry that you lost your way for a moment in time. Don't worry that you haven't yet made a decision to follow Christ. Don't worry about those things because I've always found that when you get yourself in an atmosphere where you can hear God's word, and you know, it's not one of the reasons we'll talk a bit about to say this is important because a lot of what God does is, we often say this is caught, it's caught, there's something in the atmosphere of what we do when we gather that is even more important sometimes than what we can do or see just online. Thank God for online, hey, that we had it all this time. And uh, I don't bet you, I mean, we keep saying, but it has been a wild old couple of years. But I'm believing for God to do great things again. Anyone got sore nostrils from the amount of rat tests you've been taking? I just feel for particularly our teachers and the kids, Red Raw. Uh, I took a rat test this morning to make sure I was safe for you. So good news is um, I'm very positive. 
No, it's the only time in history where negative is a good thing. So I was very negative. But, you know, having to do those rat tests. Anybody do a rat test and it just does not bother them at all? Like you don't, you don't sneeze for 10 minutes afterwards? Or I think it's one of the worst things you can do. Anyway, you know you've done them, so we won't dwell on them. You're going to be doing those for a little bit longer this year, just like you're going to with your faith, having to allow God to recharge you all this year because there's going to be opportunity for you to opt out of faith at multiple points. I want to read a scripture, if you would. Uh, just go with me. It'll be on the screen, of course, but good practice. Get your device out or your real tangible. Look at Nick there, old school paper Bible. You sure you're a youth pastor? You should have one of these, mate. Psalm 27 and verse 1. The Lord is the light, is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when, uh, there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. I, uh, three months ago, I have moments like you do on anything where I just stop and think about something I've been doing a long time or a habit I've had and I realised I was carrying around, these were my set of keys. It's quite chunky, isn't it? So those have been in my pocket for about 20 years. And, uh, you know, just one day I sat there and I said to myself, I don't think I use most of those keys. Like I seriously think I just haven't noticed that I've been carrying so many keys in my life that I've just been doing it for 20 years. So I did this amazing thing three months ago. I sat down and I figured out what are the only keys I need in my life. I lived my whole life from that. <laughs> you don't know how releasing that is. I live my, I've reduced my life from that to that. Look at that. I want you to stare. How light. It's hard to believe that my life is summed up in that little package right there. Everything I need to do lives in this hand. Just talking about it, I feel something's lifted off me. The weight of all those awkward years of being stabbed by my keys when I sit down and the, the pain that's associated with carrying, and then the great relief to realize that I need nearly none of what I've been carrying around for years and years and years hard to believe that such a busy guy like me can live his life just from these, literally, these, there's four keys. And two of them don't even look like keys. Car? We'll hear about this later. Some of you, who knows what this is? Don't say, who knows what this is? All right, that says something about you, which you'll know soon. So, by the way, it's almost like your keys are attached to your self-esteem. The more keys you have, the more important you are. The more busy your life is, the more... So, uh, just grab your keys for a moment. Let's just have a look at your keys. Everybody grab your keys. I'm curious, just... I mean, it's like a... I mean, if it feels a bit like it's... Look at you all. Ah, oh, one key over there. 
my new friend. Air yeah, holding up, give him a wave. Yeah. I, oh, Jake's got quite a few there. Rachel's got a few. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, just look at your keys for a moment. Just look at your keys. Who would say, who would say that realistically, there's at least two keys that you haven't used in years? Anyone? Maybe you're better than me and you've culled. So, lightening the load. In order to recharge, certainly, your faith, you can put your keys back now, don't get too excited about it, don't sort them out now while I'm talking to you, you can do that when you get home, it's a great exercise for you this afternoon to lighten your life. But you can recharge your life, I believe, when you realise that you don't need everything that you've been taught or told And I began to ask myself, is it possible if I've reduced my life to four keys and I really am living my life, everything I need to open and everything I need to do exists in these four keys. Three months now, I haven't got to a spot where I've said, I can't do something because I haven't got that key any longer. And I want to use that if I can, hopefully uh, not too cheesy. But I want to use that thought to talk about really the four things, if I look across my life, representatively, the four things that I've kept with me my whole life, that I've used all the time to stay well, to fulfill God's purposes, and to stay on track in my relationships. The four things that you mustn't take off your key ring, that you mustn't throw away, And you mustn't discard, even though you want to make it lighter than this. So, let's go through them. This one, of course, what's this one? Might be able to see if it flashes. It's my car key. Let's call this today our journey key. Our journey key. That in life, understanding that God has put you here to journey. It says in that first scripture we read today, it says that the Lord is the light of my salvation. There's another scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person, which means good, right standing with God, not perfect, flawless, but in relationship with God, that the steps of a righteous person are marked by the Lord. And I've learned this, that in life, it's a journey, and what just like you don't get into your car, we, you won't today, you didn't this morning, you don't get in your car and don't know where you're going, nor do you get in your car and wait for your car to take you wherever it wants to take you. You don't do that. And in order to get where you want to get to, you think about the direction or the life you want or need. You know, over the years as I coach people in life, particularly business people, I often coach people who are stuck in life as well, which is all of us from some point in time. And one thing I ask them is, what's your dream life or your God-given dream life? And once you figure that out, and I know that's not easy to do that, by the way, the hint, if you're a young person today, the hint on finding out your destiny, 
I often get asked by young adults, I don't know what I'm meant to do, I'm, I've just left high school, I'm not sure, I'm doing this degree, I don't like it, etc., etc. But the key is not necessarily always knowing exactly, but the key is knowing, Romans 12, 2, that you don't conform to this world. And when you don't conform to the patterns and behaviors of this world, and you surrender your life to God, then God. It's always then God. So we're trying to figure out our life and then we'll engage with God. God says, engage with me, then you'll discover God's perfect will and purpose for your life. That's important. And I want to encourage you because journey, destination, is the ability to rely on God to illuminate your life. Over my life, many mistakes lots of failure, many times of being confused. But because I recognize that destiny direction can be confusing, I just make the key to the journey, letting God always be at the wheel. So I know I'm going somewhere. Now, even if you don't know where you're going, you're still going somewhere. And too much of life, as I talk to people, they're steered by feelings, immediate circumstance, and wrong-meaning people in their life. I mean, we could add a key here, I suppose, but all of these are intrinsic in this thought, is relationship could be a key. But actually, Jesus says things like, don't hang around people that are detrimental to the destiny that I've given you. So God actually encourages you to prune people that aren't for your destiny. So don't have them in your life. Oh, that's very unchristian, Paul. That sounds incredibly unloving. No, God says, uh, don't hang around corrupt people that might corrupt your life, but not just your life, your destiny. I think it's so important that we understand that God always gives destination and then direction. You know the annoying thing about God? And there's a few. He gives sometimes destination. But then he doesn't give the journey steps when you or I feel we want them. So anyway, so I just go like that. I'm doing like that, like that guy on Instagram that's, you know, you know if you know. You know if you know, right? Yeah, you know. Some of you don't know, but you know. I got it. You told me. You told me what I'm meant to do, but what's the next step? I don't know the step. Now, here's a tip for those of you who are having trouble finding vision. It's almost the opposite is the case. Here's what you do. Vision, you don't get vision for your life when you have an unusual tasting pizza, have a strange dream, and it's clear in the morning. That's not how vision comes. It doesn't come during the night. Vision comes... When you serve God and move in a direction, vision always comes toward you. It never lands on you. It comes while you're active in serving the Lord in something. So if you're in an empty spot and you're not, you don't know what you're doing, then I say serve, maybe in church or in some sort of community thing, serve and vision comes toward you. Did you know, this is going to scare you. Because you think I got this job because I was skillful. 
Did you know that I am literally the product, I'm the senior pastor of Lighthouse because I'm the product of an 11-year-old who had no clue what to do in life, but I just got involved with my local church and served. And somehow, as I served, vision came toward me. It's a bizarre thing. Journey. The, third, the second key, this one, believe it or not, this humble little key is my office or work key. It's my work key. It's important to talk about work because you spend or have spent or will spend a huge amount of your time at work. Now, I heard from uh, Ash and Zane today, uh, and uh, their story is Elise and Andy's story, uh, is Steve and Renee's story, as I look around the room, John and Linda's story, is that people came to Lighthouse because the one unique thing we say probably above any other church is what you do tomorrow is God's calling on your life. And you should feel no less spiritual tomorrow than you do today. God's presence doesn't go from here on Sundays and disappears on Mondays. God's not into Sundays more than he's into Mondays. And you and I live lives better when we recognize that God's purpose and calling, in other words, I want to ask you a question. I've asked it before, but there's new people. So you've got to ask it again. Is it possible for you to only ever do the job you do, attend church like you are, and actually convince yourself that you're spiritual and fulfilling God's call? Well, the answer is yes, of course you can. I'm saying that to say you don't have to leave your job to do a job like mine to feel spiritually fulfilled. It gets worse. You don't have to save up $2,000, take two weeks off and go on a missions trip for two weeks, share the gospel with people you've never met before, come home back to work, never share the gospel at home. You don't need to do that to feel spiritual because you can do it right now because whatever you do during the week is your calling. And you should feel very spiritual about it. You can have a Bible study at work at lunchtime to make yourself feel spiritual. That's fine. But really, you don't have to have a Bible study to make work be spiritual. It already is. Your work, God's into work. Did you know that work is not a curse? I, you know, I dream sometimes when I was younger that, I'd make enough money to retire at 30 and never have to work again, but I don't think that's God's goal for your life. Work gives you purpose. And you were made to work. But it's not necessarily always... There's retired people here. There's people who are training, not yet in work. People looking for work. The key to work, by the way, the key to work, it's not what you do that makes it spiritual. It's who you do it for that makes it spiritual. That means every tradesperson, every teacher. I mean, I thank God for our, and if you're here today, I want to do honor you. Thank God for our health and medical workers, our frontline workers. Can you give them a clap? I mean, that must be an incredibly challenging job. If you're a teacher, I imagine that's incredibly challenging as well. But in those sort of roles, and maybe my sort of role, where it's helping others, it's very easy to feel a sense of purpose, right? 
but maybe you're just serving coffee in a cafe or maybe you're driving nails into a roof or, and you say, well, you know, I'm not out there really saving lives or change lives. That's not how you think about your job. What you ought to do tomorrow is turn up on that building site, turn up in that cafe, turn up in that council building and you ought to say to yourself, come on, I'm sorry for those who have been here a while, but I want to say it again. You ought to say to yourself the Ephesians 2.10 prayer. I am God's workmanship, created to do good works, to which he has gone ahead of me in advance to prepare that work for me. And so all you need to do Monday morning, because you know about the work key, all you need to do is open your eyes and ears, because God already has something. Yes, you, Bricky. Yes, you, tradesman. Yes, you, teacher. God has already prepared something good for you to do. You know, you need the journey key. You need the work key. Because I, certainly as your leader or pastor, don't want you to go to church and go to work ever. Feeling like there's something else you need to do to feel fulfilled, spiritual, or called. And then, of course, there's the, this one here, the house key. You know, so that's handy to have around the house key. The idea that I have a home. Somewhere I can go to, a refuge, a place of relief. You know, one of the things that uh, we're having a coffee with Andy and Lise this week and we're encouraging them, even though it might sound terrible, but we often, our home is a sanctuary, a breaking place. Over the years, we've learned, actually, we don't invite everybody into our home, in our case, because we wanted a place for our children where it wasn't about, for us, wasn't about work or the things we do, or the, a place of rest, a place of recovery, a place of recharge. And this is what it says in verse 4, because I want to use this key, I want to talk about having a spiritual home. You know, I agree, you know, you heard me say, this is not God's house, by the way. The Bible says that God lives in you. There's no, there's no physical place. The only reason God is here today, presence-wise, is because he came in with you. The only reason, by the way, that worship is good or bad is not because uh, Stevie sang well or didn't, and you did sing well, thank you, is because the people worship God or not. What we did this morning is not songs or singing, it's the elevation of God and His presence comes. So you can go home with, oh, that was terrible worship today. Well, my question would be, did you lift your voice? Did you raise your hands? You know, we've we got to remind ourselves sometimes that we're Pentecostal. Not that I think this is a Pentecostal thing, so much so. But the lifting of your hands. I've often said, I'll say it again. I know people say, you know, I'm worshipping on the inside. But I, think I, I, I challenge that. Because sometimes you've got to, to, to in, in order to get the inside going in worship, you've got to do something on the outside to discipline your insides. And sometimes that means an abandonment to God, a surrender, a willingness. God, I've got a thousand things going on, but right now I'm going to make it about you. 
And I want, I want to remind you how important it is to be a part of a spiritual home. Lighthouse is not a house. Lighthouse. Might need a name change. Light home. <laughs> it's not going to fly, Andy. <laughs> right, mental note, don't let Andy make the name change. Light home. <laughs> it's not a house, but it's definitely a home. And you, in order to grow and flourish, need a spiritual home. And I know, man, I'm with you. It has been weird, man, the last two years. And I know your kids went from 13 to 15 while you're away. Well, that'll, be, that'll wreck church for you. Uh, last time you brought them, they wanted to be here, and now they can't stand it. How did they grow to hate church so quickly? It happens. I was a teenager once. My parents used to drag me to church every Sunday. I'm sure today would be a form of abuse. How I got dragged. Dragged. Thrown in the back with the Bible and the blanket. Paul, not once did my parents ask me as a kid, Paul, do you want to go to church? Never. It was assumed. I've got to tell you, I mean this because you know me, I'm not, not that religious. But I love Jesus. And, I would, I, you know, and that's a decision, teenager, you've got to make for yourself. It's, you're right. It's absolutely true. You don't have to have your parents' faith. I'm telling you, man, thank God. Thank God that my parents... Right or wrong, or they just kept never asking me (laughs) and just kept bringing me. And somewhere along the time, as I matured, see, because for me, when I was a teenager, I'm sure today, this is the progress of life. We're dependent on our parents, and we think maturity is independence, where we need no one but ourselves and our chosen couple of friends. But actually, maturity true maturity, when we know you've grown up, is interdependence. The great value where you recognize for order to me as a person to flourish, I need a room full of people. I need a family that encourage and sharpen and help me grow in my development as a Christ follower. It's true. You don't have to choose Jesus. Even Jesus would tell you that. You don't have to choose him. And please, you don't have to choose him if you don't want to. You, that's, that's probably, for me, the one great thing about our faith is that we actually get to choose Jesus. Last two years caused a faith drift. And I talked to pastors all across New South Wales, Australia, even the globe. And one of the great concerning things for pastors is that people have drifted in their faith. But I said right at the start, and I want to say it again, it's okay. It is okay, because it's been weird. Never before we had the two years like we've just had. And people have drifted in faith. And if you've drifted in faith, that's okay, but look at you, you're here. But I'm going to ask you, if there's only four things that I've lived my life on and four things I could narrow my life down to, I know about my journey, destination, I understand my work is the Lord's no matter what I do. But here's critical. This year, I'm going to ask you to do something. Commit to physically being a part of a spiritual home. Did you know the Illawarra, not just this church, the Illawarra needs a group of people that will be a presence for the presence of God. The Ill- I'm going to say it again. The Illawarra needs Christ followers, as difficult as it is. I said to Andy, you know, this week we had to talk about 
because we've got different staff members in isolation. We have to have the conversation about, you know, what do we do if we're all out in one week? And I said to the guys, I said, listen, I think this year, because it's so weird, it's been so disruptive, we've just got to do whatever we can within safety realm to gather. To just gather. Because we're more than just this. We want to see this be a presence and a position across the whole. So don't be guilty today about that. Don't be, don't hang your head. I'm not guilting you up. I'm saying, man, from this moment on, this could be a great year if we commit to the revelation of a spiritual home. Hey, last one. This is my uh, anytime fitness fob. Fob seems like the appropriate word because it's often describes how I feel some days when I've got to go to the gym. I feel like fobbing it off. That's what I feel like. I feel like avoiding it. I don't just want to talk about physical health, though that's important. And I, I, I realise when you do that, I'm no pin-up boy for that. My physical health, I have worked on for the last year, just trying to stay healthy, a bit healthier than what I have been. I'm 15 kilos lighter than what, what I was this time last year. And I regularly go to the gym now. So that's enough I'll say about physical. You choose what's physical fitness for you. But I think it's good for us. Can I say the one thing I noticed more than my stomach disappearing? Was my mental health getting better? Exercising for me has made me mentally feel better about my life. But also while we're on mental health, can I talk about that for a moment? I want to encourage you that all of us struggle with our mental health, all of us. And I have made a significant change in the last 10 years of my life, and that is I willingly invite specialists into my life for my mental health. I want to say this because it's important. I know, again, I've said it before, but when Annette and I over the years have marriage issues, because you know Annette is difficult, She's not even here. Hey, that was just between us. And I, don't worry, I know it never is. Some of you are already texting her now. That's what Paul just said. What do you think I got away with wearing red shoes this morning? And that's not here. Should have seen the shirt I had on before she saw it. Saw it. Had to change it. So when Annette and I's marriage hasn't gone well, we honestly and unashamedly get marriage counselling. Because that's what you do to stay healthy. I, in my life currently, because I, lead, I oversee, you know, I oversee 330 churches in New South Wales. And the last two years was weird. The emails I got about all sorts of things. Vax, unvax, COVID, not COVID. I was a bit embarrassed, actually. Some of the things I saw. And it weighed on my mental health. So in the last two years, I, I have a professional supervisor, pastoral supervisor, that I meet once a month with. I have my regular coach, I've been, uh, sorry, mentor that I've been meeting for 14 years. We were making appointments. Renee was helping me make some appointments this week around my coaching and mentoring. And there was four separate people I meet with to stay mentally and spiritually and emotionally healthy. Getting hard to fit in. I'm high maintenance. <laughs> but you know what? I'm so glad I made that change. Because looking after yourself... A key to longevity is not just being so spiritual that you don't look after the practical elements of your life, your mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health. 
Those things are important. May I remind you that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mind, body, soul. The four things as we finish today, the four things, is that you would know that God has given you a destination and steps for that journey. You would understand that your work is your calling. You would know that you've been given a spiritual home, so show up to it. And lastly, your health is one of God's priorities. So engage with the people that help you get healthy. Would you stand this morning and pray with you? Thanks for letting your senior leader have a rant this morning. You know, it's been a month. Had a bit of catch up to do. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to pray over your year and your health. Lord, I pray for all of those that gather today and we know we've got people online as well and we thank you, Lord, for every single one of them. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would help them also discover the keys that keep them healthy. I pray that we have an honesty, a humility about those times that we need help from others. Thank you for this family that we have a spiritual home, a place that we can grow and develop discover you more and more. And I pray, Lord, despite what's going on in the world, I pray for a blessed year, a year of favour, a year of health in people's lives and those who are struggling with ill health or isolation. Lord, right now we pray your Holy Spirit would be with them and comfort and support them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us at a different light.com.au or join us at one of our Sunday gatherings.